Welcome in Bears fans. Jeff Burkus here with Windy City Gridiron historian Jack Silverstein. Jack, welcome to the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Love the Jerry Keats. Been a while. Uh, been a while since we've talked. Uh, I, I believe the the pandemic, maybe, uh, since we have actually visually seen each other. So this is fun to see you uh, live uh, in in video form. Um, so I'm excited to talk about uh, a historical figure on a sad occasion. You know, these these things happen. Uh, players pass away. Johnny Lujak uh, lived a full life, died at the age of, of 98. Uh, and we get to talk about 1940s, 1950s Chicago Bears and the legacy that Johnny Lujak left behind. Um, and so I want to start with Johnny Lujak, the person before he became a Chicago Bear. And let, let's just kind of set the stage of who this guy was um, and, and what he was all about. And, and so let's start with Johnny Lujak, Notre Dame, 1940s. Johnny Lujak has one of the greatest college football resumes of all time. He's a three-time national champion. You could start there. And in the middle of those three, he was serving in the Navy uh, during World War II. And comes back, has two more championships, wins the Heisman in 1947. Um, Because of weird NFL draft rules at the time that I don't think we really need to get into, The Bears actually drafted him in 1946, and he had two more years of college. And when he finished, he came to the Bears, and he came here with another young quarterback prospect in Bobby Lane. And they both came here to pick up the torch from Sid Lefton. So let me ask you, you said we don't have to spend time on the draft, but this is one question that I have always had, and maybe we don't know the answer. Maybe this is something that we can research. Uh, the two of us can kind of figure this out. But George Hallis drafts him in 1946. He's four years removed from high school, and so maybe that's part of it. He, he served two years uh, in World War II after two years of college. Um, but so, so to George Hallis, he was an eligible player. But he goes back and he completes his college education by playing those final two years. So by the time he gets to the pros, this is six years after high school, right? So it's it's not like Johnny Lujak went back into the draft pool. George Hallis no. and the Chicago Bears retained his rights. That's correct. And, and so he was able to think that far ahead and take the chance that, you know, if this if this kid goes back to college, no big deal. I still want him. I'm willing to invest this pick in 1946. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll wait for him uh, when he gets out of college and comes back into 1948. Yeah, 100%, bro. I, I'm willing to be wrong on this if someone says I am. But to me, George Hallis is the original NFL draft innovator. I mean, he was the original guru of the draft, the guy who, like you said, could see a few moves ahead, surprised the league on several occasions with trades that weren't announced. You know, they didn't get like announced immediately. So there were trades that were getting announced the day of a draft or the day before the draft. And all of a sudden the bears had the number one pick. They did that twice after winning championships. So he was always looking and finding plays and, you know, sort of a Jerry Krause as well. So, so the interesting thing about, again, the, the, the man, Lujak, the, the man is a college athlete. So he's, he's coming out a little older than what we might think of college football players today, right? Because he had those two years of war service, but he's coming out 
um, with three national championships, Heisman Trophy, and national championships from Notre Dame. You know, the, one of the most pop, the big powerhouse, one of the most popular schools in the country. He's on the cover of Life Magazine. He is an incredibly charismatic and popular player that's now coming to Chicago on the heels of the Chicago Bears winning, basically dominating the 1940s in terms of, of on the football field. Um, and, and he comes in to potentially take the mantle from the king himself, Sid Luckman. That's right. Yeah. So you said um, you said four championships. The last of the four was 1946, the year that they drafted Blue Jack. So from his perspective, he's at Notre Dame. He knows I'm about to go to this powerhouse. And like anybody can see, Sid Luckman's going to be getting older. Hey, I'm, I'm new. I'm going to come in and it's, this is going to be my team. And I'm going to run this show for you know a decade, the way that Luckman has done. He was 1939 to 1946 at that point. And yeah, he absolutely is looking at this. Yeah, I'm the best player coming to the best team. So you mentioned Bobby Lane. So here's another good quarterback prospect. So the, you know, here's George Hallis just throwing draft resources at the quarterback position, unlike what we've seen maybe in uh, a large chunk of Chicago Bears history. But here he is throwing a lot of resources at the quarterback position to try to replace Luckman. So at one time, he has Sid Luckman, who's getting older. He has Bobby Lane, and he has uh, Johnny Lujak. So three L's, the, the, the three L quarterbacks at that time. So what do you know about the dynamic between those three? And what do you know about what may have led George Hallis to end up trading Bobby Lane away uh, pretty early in his career? So the dynamic was that Sid Luckman was going to continue playing quarterback while he brought Lujak and Lane up behind him. And it was going to be basically like a, who's going to win the job between the two of them. Was there ever really a plan to have them both on the roster moving forward? I think if that had been the best option, he would have. Um, but it, that was basically the plan. So Hallis had said, or he wrote, that the way that he started that season in 1948 was that Luckman would be the quarterback. And he basically did He basically did the start bench cut meme with his <laughs> three quarterbacks. So he started Sid Luckman. And he started Johnny Lujak, but defensively, and had him focus over there. And he uh, and he kept Bobby Lane on the bench, and that was how that season went for the most part. So the first decision was after 1948. There's a great quote that I had never seen. It came up in Dan Pompey's recent piece, and I had never seen this. But this is from Bobby Lane, and it was published after he died in 1986. And I went back to see if I could find the original. I couldn't. So I don't know. It's a one-source quote. Take it with a grain of salt. But it says, quote, Johnny Lujak and I were rookies together at Chicago. Mr. Hallis thought Sid Luckman was going to retire, but Sid decided to play two or three more years. Mr. Hallis was a great man. He told me, Bobby, I can't afford to keep three quarterbacks, and I can't make Sid retire. He's Jewish, which means a lot of season tickets. Johnny's from Notre Dame, which means more season tickets. And you're a Baptist from Texas. You have to understand. Now, that is an all-time all time quote. Yeah. And there are some other 
elements to why he chose Lane um, to trade. I think he probably thought that Lujak had more all-around value because he was a great kicker as well. He had shown himself as a great defensive back. He had eight interceptions in his rookie year, which um, which tied the Bears' season record. That wasn't broken until uh, Roosevelt Taylor had nine in 63, and then Mark Carrier had 10. So, I mean, you're not that far ahead from Johnny Lujak and uh, Bulldog Turner with their eight interceptions. So you have that element. I've also read that Hallis didn't like that Lane was a little bit more of like a partier, late night, drinking, carousing, all that stuff. So that element, the Lujak element, and the ticket sales, I mean, you know, we know that George Hallis um, focused on business. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. I, I hadn't seen that quote either. And I, I read that. I think you pointed me to it um, on Twitter and, and, and copied me on that. It's a, it's a very interesting quote. It is very different than a lot of the history that I have read, particularly um, specifically in the Hallis biographies, more refer to it as the carousing part, the, the partiers. But there's a history of partiers, um, if they're good enough, that Hallis will put up with them, right? I mean, Doug Atkins was famously a, a, a big partier and Hallis put up with him for a very long time because he was an excellent football player. So- oh yeah. I just I just think that I just think that in his mind, he was really only going to keep one of those guys. And he was going to then draft someone to come up under uh Luckman, which is sort of what he did. But I, I just feel like I've never seen him say this, but it just, I don't know, made sense. Like when something came up with Bobby Lane and uh, the whole thing with the Bulldogs and selling him to the Bulldogs, um, he just did it. And I think he just figured, like, I've made my choice. Lou Jack is the guy. And, I mean, Lou Jack paid off on that pretty immediately with his 1949 passing season, his 1950 running season. And, um, yeah, I would say that, by 1950, George Hallis thought, I got a winner here. And and Lujak gave him all the reason to believe that. And just to kind of close the loop there, he trades Lane away to New York um, because he doesn't he wants him out of the division. And then instantly that team folds and then trades him away or or he finds his way to Detroit. And then in at Detroit, Bobby Lane tortures Chicago throughout the 1950s and gives Detroit some of their really only bright spots um, in franchise history. So just kind of close the lane loop, uh, but come back to Lou Jack. He starts as the predominant starter in, in 1949, um, has an excellent year in 1949. He isn't, he doesn't start every game, which is, again, this is, it's weird to think about football back then, right? Like, um, it's, yeah, explain it's, uh, to people why that would be. Why wouldn't he start every game? Well, you, you would see that a lot, particularly way back um, where you would you would have uh, multiple like players wouldn't play the whole game like they, they would play only part of the game. So a lot of Luckman, they would they would um, sit him for part because they wanted to rest him and you, you didn't have full substitutions. So so there's a lot of that 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 happened. Um, Luckman's still around. And so he picks up a couple of starts um, throughout that year. But <clears throat> What what I find interesting about Lou Jack's uh, 1949 is that he really is pretty excellent um, to the point where he is, um, I believe he leads the league in, in yardage. And touchdowns. And he is the last Bears quarterback to do so, to do either. 
and, and, I'll, and I'll mention that he actually does win first team all pro honors from the New York Daily News. So back then there was a lot of papers that would give out all pro honors. And there's, you know, there's a pretty good record of the different sources that would do that. And at some point, the Associated Press became sort of the paper of record, um, if you will, for, for, for that particular award. And they awarded first team all pro honors to Bob Waterfield, who was a Hall of Fame quarterback for the Rams. He was he was under our, our friend Clark Shaughnessy at the time. Like, you know, a very good player. Um, statistically, Lou Jack had a better year. He had a better year throwing the ball. Uh, but I think it may have been that he didn't make all of the starts, uh, whereas Waterfield did, and the Rams were a little better record-wise. And I think that's probably what pushed him over the edge. But if you went pure statistics, Lou Jack actually had a better year, and that may have been a second first-team All-Pro, potentially. Um, and they didn't have second-team All-Pros back then, um, but I would imagine he probably would have finished pretty close. Yeah, what... Uh... What then is interesting is that it's the next year when he has a terrible passing year, but sets the Bears scoring record because he runs for 11 touchdowns and he's our kicker. 109 points. So that's the year that then he gets AP All-Pro first team. And like you said, he's beating out Bob Waterfield. He's beating out Otto Graham. Um, He's definitely high in the running. He's like a different sort of what if than Bobby Lane and there's no, like, you kind of have to what if one or the other. So either way, but he's a really interesting Bears what if who probably doesn't get talked about as much, which is the reason we wanted to have this conversation um, because he is somebody who probably doesn't get enough conversation around him. I view him and I view Lane, and I think you do too, as a pretty clear fault line. Not the only one, but, I mean, if you think about, like, how did the Bears go from being – I was thinking of this book that I've got that uh, was published in 1946, Howard Roberts, and it's called The Chicago Bears. That's all he needed to call it in 1946. <laughs> there's no – it's not the, you know, Chicago Bears colon nine-word subtitle. Well, yeah, when you're, when you're first in, you, you get to just pick whatever you want, right? Right, right. What I'm saying is, is that I view – to some degree, Bears history as a, a series of pivots that led us to this sad place that we sit in right now. And that, to me, is one of those pivots. Well, the thing about the 50s Bears is that they were good, not great, because they couldn't figure out the post Jack Lane era. They had Blanda on the roster, right? And they had, they had Brown. Um, they had Brown. But- um, but they, they weren't able to really put it together, uh, all together. So, so their records is pretty good. Um, but, but they never really win. Cha- they don't win championships in the fifties, right there. There's a drought between 46 and 63. Um, and part of it, like you say, has to be this decision to trade lane who that comes back to haunt you. And then the decision after the 1951 season, which was a pro bowl season again for, for Johnny Lee Jack. Uh, to not bring him back. Now let's let's talk about that mark there. Um, there's some accounts out there that would point to this being George Callis wouldn't pay Johnny Lujak what he thought he was worth. There are some accounts that would say that Johnny Lujak had a bad knee and felt like it just wasn't worth continuing to play on, and he had other options that that he was willing to pursue. Um, my bet is that there's probably a combination of the two. Uh, but where do you kind of come down on this when you're looking at why Lou Jack would walk away? 
Absolutely. So I think it was a few factors. I think you hit upon um, um, basically all of them. I think one thing that is important to understand is that it wasn't uncommon for good NFL players to decide that a life in business was actually going to be a better life. Sid Luckman talked about it throughout his career. He had talked about it at the outset of his career. His family had a trucking company. He talked about just doing that. He talked about that then. He talked about it before 43 when he won his MVP. He had his incredible year. So that was always something that was coming up. So it wasn't unusual to, to, for a player to look at like leaving completely as a, like another piece of leverage of just, you know, another career option if the contract negotiation didn't go correctly, which with Hallis, it often didn't. Uh, the way that Jeff Davis for his Hallis biography, which is excellent, any Bears fans out there, you should definitely check this out. Um, he said, uh, Luigi got home from the Pro Bowl and his coach from Notre Dame, Frank Lady, offered him a job. So now you have this three-prong effect. You've got New Jack saying, I can go back to the Bears. I can go start my coaching career at Notre Dame, an incredible position. Um, and I've got an insurance business. I've got some business ventures on my own. So he's looking at this and going, you know, I have options. Um, he had come off an injury that was not reported. And so he was really starting to get frustrated with football and He's got some pretty good moves that he could make. So he says, quote, when I told Hallis I had a Notre Dame offer and had to give them an answer before spring practice, he said he was taking a month off in Arizona and could not talk until he got back. So I went into coaching at Notre Dame. I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's it. That's how we lost Johnny, Johnny Dujai. Yikes. And, and, and Hallis basically like doesn't, didn't really like deny it. This is his autobiography from 1979 because he just gives it one sentence. He says, my worst problem was at quarterback. It became intense when Lou Jack injured his throwing arm. I went from feast to famine almost overnight in 1954, and he's on. He's out of there. He gives Johnny Lou Jack one sentence. So, yeah, I bet he did move that way, and that was um, clearly a mistake as well. His other question, his other question, sorry, so I mentioned the injury. His other question was, was uh, Lou Jack still going to be able to be the quarterback from a passing perspectives so that was weighing into it um just i don't know just a perfect storm i mean his reasons for trading bobby lane were really stupid you know i mean i think there were a lot of interpersonal um elements with the Lou Jack thing where he has all these like real options he's frustrated with Alex. they're frustrated with each other it's a little more kind of like business of the day to me whereas the lane thing was like oh my gosh Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I want to ask you about what do you, just going back a little bit to Lou Jack the person, but if you read a little bit about sort of, again, I mentioned the cover of Life magazine and, you know, this guy that, again, fought in World War II, he won multiple national championships, he comes in, he's, he's first team all pro, like he's still performing uh, at football at a high level, um, but he's also like, he has a radio program. Like he, he seems just like, a super popular dude. And it's, it's one of those situations in bears history where you have a guy who's incredibly popular and has another option and they leverage that. And it comes to a point where Hallis has to win the negotiation and he just doesn't. So the, 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 this reminds me of the Bronco Nagurski situation where Bronco Nagurski was a, was super famous. There's a lore around him, right, and he right. can go do something right. else that will pay him. Right, so right, he goes right. and goes into professional wrestling at the peak of his football career. He could have played more years. Um, he certainly could have played more years because um, he's he's at the peak of his his powers in, in the NFL. So he leaves because of a failed negotiation. This feels very similar, where you have somebody who's so popular that he he has other options. But the difference is. Bronco Nagurski's in the Hall of Fame. Bronco Nagurski did enough on the football field to be immortalized, to have a bronze statue. Johnny Lujak didn't. He only played four seasons, right? So, so but to me, he was that level of player for for this for this or could have been that level of player for this franchise. He just had that other option that he exercised early. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to your point about him being so popular, being like a superstar. Uh, Patrick Sheldon last year had tweeted a clip with Fields and some announcer called him Superman. And he said, when was the last time a play-by-play announcer ever referred to a Bears TV as Superman or any other superhero, frankly. So I was like looking stuff up and I feel like I had heard about this. Maybe it's in his Wikipedia page, but just kind of like when you see it in a newspaper and it pops up, I think it's just like a different level of reality. That's what I've always found. And it is a paper preview of his role in a 30-minute radio show called The Adventures of Johnny Lujak. This is the summer of 49, so after his second season. No, excuse me, before his second season, after his rookie year. After his rookie year. And a newspaper preview describes the role as including the qualities of Superman. Grid hero is champion of right on air. So there again, you're back to that like almost uh, mythical quality like you had with a Bronco Nagurski, right? So, so to me, like these guys are 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 very similar in a lot of ways. Um, I, and I and I did want to. Di- I think the one big difference is 43. Is Nagurski came back and right. had that one final chapter, and probably other than that, yeah. I mean, if if Lujak had a 
Nagurski 43 or a Grange 3233. Yeah, you could be looking at Hall of Famer for sure. Right, right. So yeah, probably like a little bit more, a couple more years, you know, maybe, a ch- you know, a championships, all that kind of stuff. But like at that moment, I, I don't see like a huge difference between these two characters in terms of who they are in, t- in terms of Bears history. Um, you mentioned Justin Fields. I wanted to get to that because I want to talk about Johnny Lou Jack's place in Bears history because we, the two of us, um, along with some of our colleagues, put uh, put Johnny Lujak in the Bears top 100, one of the new quarterbacks to be able to make that list. Um, I know that I was probably voting him in a little earlier uh, than, than, than where he ended up uh, landing in, in that list, but uh, we did include him in that top 100 list. He's in the 80s. And so um, I, I want to I talk about the, the place that Lujak holds in Bears quarterback history, um, also in, in Bears history overall. But but I want to talk about this idea of the curse of Johnny Lujak, uh, which we, we've talked about a little bit, where this is basically Hallis fumbling um, these these two quarterbacks of Lane. You could call it the curse of Bobby Lane. You could call it the curse of Johnny Lujak, whatever you want to say. Uh, but but really losing this opportunity to, to keep one of these guys and, and continue the legacy that Luckman started. Um, and how much they've struggled, struggled at the quarterback position since you, know, you have, you know, uh, very few quarterbacks who have taken the reins. I mean, people might want to say Jim McMahon, um, but really we're now at this point where we have this great hope in Justin Fields entering this 2023 season. He is really cool. Like, I mean, the, he is incredibly popular. Um, uh, people, I mean, if I went to camp last year, and the Justin Fields mania was unbelievable, right? And so I, I, I kind of want to talk about his place in history and also the current quarterback position and try to put Justin Fields in, in that history uh, of quarterbacks for the Bears as well. It's interesting that we brought up the Hugh Jack show because news broke today, and I don't know who originally reported it. This is um, Alex Shapiro on NBC, but... Um, News broke today that that second season of the Netflix <clears throat> series quarterback that Justin Fields was offered one of the spots and turned it down. He so Justin Fields so so the quarterback show that Peyton Manning's running uh, season one. If you guys haven't seen it, um, it, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Kirk Cousins, and it's uh, uh, Marcus Mariota, and uh, it's very interesting. Obviously, Mariota had a very interesting year, um, left the team late in the year. And obviously, because uh, the, they, they couldn't have really scripted that better because Cousins uh, and the Vikings had a great win-loss record and very interesting. And, you know, Kirko with the, the gold chains. And then you had uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, winning a Super Bowl and winning an MVP. I mean, like, you, you, they kind of hit the jackpot with that. Um, but I think a lot of Bears fans were like, um, boy, wouldn't it be nice if uh, if we could watch Justin Fields and they announced that there's a second season, Justin Fields says that he was approached. He says that he hasn't necessarily not committed, right? Like that was, he he said he doesn't think he's going to do it, but I don't, I think it's still maybe out there, I, but I'm not sure that the bears would love that since they are so adamant against say hard knocks. I'm not sure if they're willing to let him do something like that right now. I would imagine that that project would come with more control, but um, 
But regardless, I just like the fact that you you know you were pointing out that Blue Jack had that popularity, and Justin Fields has that. I mean, the way that everybody responded to the video of him like skipping into that camp and seeing all those kids, and um, you know, everybody loved that. I, I'm I don't know anybody who doesn't like Justin Fields and appreciate what he's doing. So it has that same kind of element there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, gosh, where does Blue Jack rank in Bears quarterback history? Uh, you know, we've got, you basically, it depends on if you think it's Luckman or Cutler or McMahon for some reason, but those are probably your top three. Probably, I won't say what most people would pick. I don't know, between those three, quite frankly. But those are probably your three. And then after that, you just have like a bunch of guys and they all fit different categories. So you can be like, Rex got us to the Super Bowl. Or, you know, Jay clearly had the most accomplished Bears career. And and had some and had some money late plays too. And absolutely, you know, some game winners, some really iconic passes. Um, I always think of the Bennett game winner against Minnesota at the beginning of the season, 2013. Um, I know a lot of people have the one, uh, what, Zach Miller down the middle against San Diego, that he just like stepped up and flung that. I know a lot of people think immediately about the Roma should do, walk off. But like, you know, Jay has big, big moments. And then, I don't know, maybe someone could go Kramer because he's got the single season passing yards and touchdowns record. And we're all gonna just be like, wow, he like survived the 16 game era. Like, he did it. Congratulations to my birthday brother, Eric Kramer, who made it all the way here with the record, with both records. I mean, he was awesome that year. So you kind of like start looking at different guys. You know, Ed Brown is the last one to, um, to go to two, more than one Pro Bowl with the Bears. Uh, Billy Wade is obviously the only other one, you know, between uh, Luckman and uh, McMahon to win a championship. And then I think, and then Bijak has his own lane because of these peak performances. Think about coming in as a rookie. You set a team record for defensive interceptions, and then the next year you lead the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And then the next year you lead um, the team in rushing touchdowns, set a new Bears rushing record. And by then, the, the running back history for the Bears was already pretty good. That wasn't like he's like the first one. So sets that record and first team all pro. And then the next year he's a pro bowler, which you find out he's doing it with an injury on. So he has these legendary peaks and he's the only guy after Luckman. I feel like you couldn't really put any other Bears quarterback in true MVP contention. Other than Lou Jack, one of those years, although I don't know which of those years you pick from a modern standpoint you look at his passing stats in his APL pro season and you're just like horrified and not just for the era but because of what he did the year before um but man I mean it was a good team those were some real good teams I mean we came you know close ain't it like you know those Bears teams of the of like post-World War II into the early 50s and you could say even all the way up to 56 a lot of near misses. I mean, there was a lot of talent. I wanted your favorite players falls into that that era, Harlan Hill. So a lot of really clutch performances, a lot of people showing up in the all-time record books. I mean, Johnny Lujak is still the, toward the top of Bears' all-time record books. I mean, he is still 
the record holder um, for single season for single game passing yards, 468 yards. You know, that's still his record. That's the most yards any Bear quarterback has ever thrown. We've only had four 400 yard games. We haven't had one in this century. Yeah, in the past, in the in, you know the game's so different back then. It's so inconsistent, right? Like, and like you know, you look at his game logs, and you know he can have like thirteen passes one game, and then he can throw for four hundred yards the next game. Like, it just like doesn't make a lot of sense in the modern context because games are different back then, and you know, weather could wreck a game because the field is just slop, or you know, you fill in whatever reason there might be. So, it, it you know, it is interesting when you go back. You can't really expect to to use a modern lens of football uh and how you understand it and statistics when you look at the statistics of old because uh, you know johnny lujak threw more interceptions than he threw inter touchdowns you'd think well, that's terrible right but that was just kind of the game back then you, you threw up a lot uh of, of bad balls um so it's not like that's un uncommon in the era so um it is it is interesting to go back and, and view that but i think you make a really good point because we've talked about he obviously he was a, a you know a good quarterback that we talked about has some passing records um has some running uh success that that really vaulted him to that first team all pro as a quarterback ha was a good defensive player uh, and a good kicker and the only other quarterback that you talk about like that sammy baugh yeah, I agree. I mean, I, that's Lujak is a is a sky's the limit talent, in my view. Um, again, let's let's sort of lay this out again. Johnny Lujak, who just died, who played, who last played in nineteen fifty one, is the Chicago Bears single game passing record holder today in twenty twenty three. Johnny Lujak had eleven rushing touchdowns. That is the Bears record for a quarterback. So I did a whole thread last year of Justin Fields chasing Eric Kramer and also chasing Johnny Lujak for the rushing touchdown record. So that's Johnny Lujak. He is the last Bears quarterback to be all pro. First team all pro or otherwise, all pro. And until 1963, he was the uh, team leader for interceptions, defensive interceptions in a season. And he won for the NFL in the top two passing categories. I mean, he was an all-around top talent unquestionably unquestionably I, I i look at like george connor for example and how george connor was making all pro teams in the same year on both sides of the ball right like you look up george not you i know you have but like to people who are watching and listening uh look up just go to purple law reference scroll down on george connor and look at his all pros and he's going with uh as an offensive tackle and as a defensive tackle as those were now really developing into more modern versions of themselves with different responsibilities. I could see Lujak having that kind of an impact and that kind of a career. I mean, so like we went for like Luckman, who was an MVP and all-timer. So Lujak, who could have been those things, but was at least all pro. And then you kind of like go down a little bit to Ed Brown, who's a pro bowler. And then you go down a little bit more to Billy Wade, who's a pro bowler, but not in the year that he wins the championship. And you kind of like, I don't know, go down a lot more in the 70s. Then you come up a little bit with McMahon. And and right there, it's a 22-year gap, or a 20-year gap. 20 years, and that was 40, 50 years ago. So now it's like for every generation comes a QB drought. Mm-hmm.
And that's why Justin Fields is so exciting. That's why just his presence is exciting. Because we haven't seen it. Right. We haven't seen a quarterback who can change games. We have not seen the guy who you go, oh, he he gives you all the pluses and none of the minuses. And he's not that yet, but he definitely feels like that is who he is. Right. Me, Showing you flashes. 100%. I wanted to end with this. Um, I, uh, I'm pulling up from my story uh, oh, about Jerry Keefe and uh, the artwork of the Chicago Bears that I put out a couple of years ago. I know that you appreciate this story. And um, oh. this, uh, this cover is actually right behind me in my wall. So if you guys watch on YouTube, you, you see all these covers by Jerry Keefe that I have on my wall. This is one of them that's like right behind me. And I like it because it's just so much different than all of his other work. And it's it, describe it for you guys that are listening. It's it's almost kind of like a Where's Waldo scene where you have Hallis um, on the front, and then you have a, a a row of players on the bench watching and kind of different cheering and, and and what have you. And then the crowd behind, and you know the you kind of can lose yourself looking at the crowd and all the faces. And it's it's just a very different cover, and it's kind of fun. Um, but I was thinking about. This is the Lou Jack era of a lot of the Jerry Keefe covers. And so I was, I was looking behind me um, to see, oh, was Lou Jack playing in any of these games? Um, and this is interesting is that and I had not put this together before um, I did. I did go through and I, I figured out who all these players were. Uh, so we mentioned George Connor. He's one of the players that's on the bench. Um, I mentioned uh, we mentioned Bulldog Turner. He's next to him. Um, Ed Sprinkles next to um, you know the recent Hall of Famer. Ed Sprinkles is, is next to Bulldog, and then next to is Johnny Lujak. Um, this is Johnny Lujak uh, on on this cover, and Johnny Lujak played in this game. It was his last professional football game. So this cover that um, I've I've had behind me. I didn't put it together was actually Johnny Lujak's last football game for, for people who have not read uh, your story. For people who haven't read Jeff's story on uh, Jerry Keith, definitely have to. It's called Bus Strokes of Genius. Hold it out. And you definitely need to check out that story. But what Jeff was saying is that this piece doesn't match most of his other drawings, which were usually um, what anthropomorphic, the imaginations and, yep, right. of the mascots, right. a, you know, a, a bear attacking a colt, etc. Like a lot of his stuff was like that. So yeah, this has a different, obviously, because it's it's the people. So yeah, and I mean, you look at the talent that's on that that team. You mentioned Bulldog Turner, Ed Sprinkle, who was regarded as. Fiercest man. He was, I, I feel like I, if I was around, I would have described him as like the next Bill Hewitt. He was like the advancement. Like wasn't as good as Bill Hewitt, but he had like kind of the same skills is my understanding. And, you know, defined, you know, Hewitt defined by his speed and Sprinkle defensively defined by his ferocity. But both are kind of, those are both categories of attacking. And then as ends, I just feel like Sprinkle just, built on what had been done. He just was big. And that's a really dynamic, you know, memorable player. Even when he spent all that time not in the Hall of Fame, he was talked about sort of at that same level. And you can tell, yeah, this is someone who you should be honoring in the 
in the game for sure. So Johnny Lujak, 98 years old, uh, great legacy from Notre Dame, great legacy uh, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion to the Chicago Bears, very interesting pivot point um, as you talk about. Uh, you know, uh, condolences, obviously, to the Lujak family. Uh, you know, 98 is uh, obviously a, a big number. Um, and, and so uh, hopefully uh, hopefully he went well. Um, and I appreciate you stepping in with me, Jack, to, to talk about Johnny Lujak and, and his legacy. Yeah, man, this is fun. I'm glad that you had me. I'm glad we did it. And there is a lot of interesting Johnny Lujak interview material on YouTube for anyone who wants to check it out or more hear him speak. Um, I found a video of him doing a one-on-one. They're interviewing each other with uh, Malik Zaire. Yep, I've seen it. No names quarterback. You've seen it. Okay, so yeah, so that's a nice generational piece. There's more out, out there, so uh, if people want to check it out, that's definitely something to look into. I mean, he's a pretty large what-if moment in Chicago sports history. Very good. All right. Thanks, guys. We're going to be cranking things up um, for training camp preview. That obviously starts, uh, training camp starts this week. Players have reported. Uh, so we will be going here pretty quick. Uh, you will see Lester and I at camp early next week. Uh, and uh, we will, we're going to crank this thing up. It's going to be a good year. And uh, we appreciate Jack stepping in and, and talking about Johnny Lujak and his legacy. Yeah, man. This is awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. And shout out, and shout out to Lester.